Hey, my name is Katie Pijanowski, and I'm a certified life coach and motivational speaker, and I'm here to help you unlock your true strength so you can create the life of your dreams. I teach you my best tips to master your mindset, create confidence, and empower yourself to take back your life. It's your time. This is the Mind and Body Strong Podcast. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. If you follow me on the Instagram world, and specifically Instagram stories, you may have noticed that I've been practicing some more yoga. One of my new goals is to learn how to do handstands more, but really how I transitioned back into that is about a month ago. I was going to start a weightlifting program. I really wanted to get back into doing the weights, felt like that was the right thing to do. And a couple days into that, I really just heard my body say, slow down, Katie, slow down. And because of all the work I've been doing lately and really over the last year of slowing down and really healing with body image and food, I was able to see this message and really honor it. And so I'm able to shift over into yoga and I've been practicing more of that, whether it be with different videos on YouTube or apps or just doing my own type of thing to move. And what I've realized is that this time around, this experience is so much more than just practicing movements. I'm really like embodying the process of yoga, which in my mind can be very meditative, very relaxive and almost spiritual. Which is why I'm so excited to bring to you our guest for today's podcast. We have an incredible conversation with Abby Kircher, who is a clinical therapist who works with individuals, children, and families with trauma survivors. This is a big part of her personal life as well as her work for over the last 20 years. And over the last year or so, she's really opened up her life to the experience of yoga. She'd always hear about how the mind and body is connected and was hearing about how yoga can really help those who have experienced trauma in their lives. And she really started getting into it herself and has became so passionate about this that she actually became certified as a yoga instructor. And throughout this episode, she really shares her process of diving into yoga, what it means for her, what it means for her clients. And we really have this beautiful conversation about how our bodies really can tell us what's going on. Our bodies really hold on to emotions and to all these things that go on in our life. And whether it's just a little piece of stress in your relationship or your career or your finances, your body holds on to those things. And when we can take a step back or use movement to really help move those emotions through us, it's when we're going to experience so much relief and peace and really become present. And even if we take 10 minutes to find this happy place, it can be such a beautiful beautiful experience. So I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Abby, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Welcome back, my friends, to the Mind and Body Strong podcast. And today we have a wonderful guest. Her name's Abby, and she is actually a long-lost friend of mine. I feel like we haven't talked to her forever, <laughs> but I used to actually babysit her kids. We went to the same barn and um, I used to see her there, and that's where I got introduced to her, and she's a therapist, and she reached out to me kind of reconnecting over the last few weeks, last few months, 
And we were really talking about like this experience of like yoga. I've been doing a lot more yoga now. Abby has been doing yoga for um, over a year now. And she's really just talking about like the practice of yoga and how it really helps you, especially trauma. You're going through trauma, which I feel like in a sense, like right now in the world, like we're all kind of going through this trauma. So I feel like this conversation is so relevant. So first of all, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. And I really just want all my listeners to get to know you a little bit more. And of course, we'll kind of go into your story about how you kind of found this practice of yoga kind of accidentally and how it kind of became this newfound passion to really incorporate into your healing process. Well, um, my name is Abby Kircher, and I've been a trauma therapist for about 20 years now. And I was finding that a lot of my patients were, were just stuck in this constant rut where week after week they'd come in and they'd say, well, you know, Erica, I asked you, 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 you asked me to do this and you asked me to do that. And nothing changed. Nothing feels better. And I found that there was this constant relationship of frustration, both um, from them and at me. And so I decided to really dig in deeper and discover some non-traditional ways of treating trauma. And I was attending this certificate training by a world-renowned trauma expert, Bessel van der Kolk and Dan Siegel. And um, a lot of people, if you're not familiar with this book, get familiar with it. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's very user-friendly. Anybody can read it. It's not geared toward anyone particular profession or person. So I attended this training and I kept hearing over and over from various experts about yoga. And I thought, yoga, what does yoga have to do with the treatment of trauma? And that just, I just had an itch I couldn't scratch and decided to take personal yoga classes. And so what started out as, you know, yoga two to three times a week turned into, oh my gosh, I I have to get certified in yoga. And so a year ago in June, I will have had my um, 200 hour teacher training. And what I hope to do very soon is to integrate yoga into my therapy practice and it's something called trauma sensitive yoga and as we move into a new way of living especially after COVID-19 my worry is that so many people are going to be flooded with so much stress And this is going to be a stress that hit them pretty hard and hit them suddenly. They're, myself included, you know, you go from having a full-time stable job with your kids either in daycare or and or school, and you have a plan. And suddenly this plan 
comes to a complete stop and you have no way of rerouting yourself because there's no map for what's happened. There's no route um, that you can take. And this, this question of, am I going to have enough money to survive? Are my kids going to be able to have food? Am I going to have a job? Are my kids going to be going to school? These are all questions that we as, as human beings have a right to have an answer to. And right now we don't have that answer. And because that it's filled with such uncertainty, there's a level of trauma that goes with that. And trauma is just the experience of having no control over what is happening in your life. It doesn't have to be some significant uh, assault or abuse as traditional um, therapy has alluded to. Uh, the more we become familiar with trauma, the, the more we know that we have what, what's called little T's or little traumas and big T's, big traumas. And the big T's and big traumas can sometimes just culminate from a bunch of small things that we didn't even, we probably didn't even know that we were experiencing until they hit us in the face and we have no way of dealing with them. And so what I found from just speaking with people in my yoga community and through lots and lots of research is that Trauma is typically stored in our bodies because our brains don't operate just by themselves. We're not a machine. Our, our brains tell our bodies and our bodies tell our brain, look, something's wrong. And, you know, if we stub our toe, we're not going to feel it in our brain. We're going to feel it in our toe. If we have this chronic state of stress, it's going to affect all sorts of things physically. It affects sleep. It affects attention. It affects our personal relationships. It can affect our emotional availability, our emotional reserves. It can affect digestion. It can affect concentration. All of those things are managed by and through movement. What do you have to do when you make the choice to move one foot in front of the other? Well, your brain has to tell your body, okay, body, we're going to put one foot in front of the other. And it's, it's a conscious effort that we're making. We're making an effort to, to move through something, whether it's emotional or physical. And yoga is a way that helps us become familiar with what we're feeling physically. If, if a certain posture makes us uncomfortable, we're going to know about that. And we may resist that. We may not like it. We may say, I'm not good at that, or I, I refuse to do that, or I don't want to do that. That's informative. And as a yoga teacher, I would not push that. I would say, okay. But what do you think that's trying to tell you? What do you think your body's trying to say to you? 
That is such the best like reflection question when it comes to the body. What can this tell me? I love that. Mm -hmm. um, and secondly, what I want really everybody to know is yoga really isn't about what you do physically. It's about what you do mentally. And meditation was the original form of yoga. Um, the postures that, that the uh, people in Asia and India were doing well before us Westerners came along and knew about yoga. It was all in preparation for the mind to calm itself, to quiet itself. And when I'm teaching meditation to people, it's very, very hard for them because their mind often wants to move faster than their, even their bodies move. And my 15-year-old daughter is, she's the perfect example of this. She is so vocal when she's doing yoga. She, she lets me know, mom, this is uncomfortable. Mom, I don't like this. I have to be quiet. What do you, you want me to not think about anything? You mean I have to just, just be in space and quiet and dark and without judgment, I say, well, that's up to you, but what do you think you can gain if you learn to quiet your voice and quiet your mind and allow your, your body to just relax? What is the worst thing that can happen right now in this moment? We're not thinking of the past. We're not thinking of the future. We're just thinking right now. What is the worst thing that can happen? And most times... Most people are in a place of safety and they, they, they begin to learn that in the moment when they have decided that, yes, I'm going to quiet my mind, they're in a safe space to do that. You know, I wouldn't decide to do meditation in, you know, on a train going 60 miles an hour filled with 100 other people. Um, my brain needs to be aware of where I'm at and my brain needs to be paying attention. But we also need to learn that when our brains are in a safe space, we need to allow them to rest. We need to shut that part of ourselves off for a little bit so our bodies can learn what it means to be relaxed. Oftentimes, we are our best resource People often look to other people for, for resource or for resilience when really the answers are within ourselves. We just have to be quiet enough to listen. Yes, that is so, so important and something I've kind of learned along my journey is that no matter how much you want to try to grasp on the external world, like the answers just, it might give you a slight little satisfaction, a quick, quick little like, you know, mm -hmm. um, hit of those endorphins and all the good, good feeling stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's like, you always feel like something's missing when you're grasping those outside things until you slow down. And I was one of those people you had mentioned, um, you know, one of your daughters feeling like she can't just like slow down. And I felt, I felt that way of most of my life, just trying to feel busy all the time because I was afraid to be with my mind. 
Do you find that a lot with like yourself or with other people you work with in yoga? Well, for me personally, I, I have a, a pretty big uh, background with trauma, not just professionally, but personally as well. And um, in the book I'm writing, I talk a lot about this experience for me, how most of my life was spent worrying about serving other people, making sure other people felt good. Because in my world, people feeling good, people being satisfied, people being busy, people moving around, that was safe to me. The minute that anything stopped, whether it was my own physical body, my own uh, emotional mind, my parents, my brother, anyone that I encountered in the foster care system, at that time, because I had not learned how to identify safe points, safe places, safe people, anything that wasn't busy was considered dangerous. And my body didn't know the difference between a safe space and a dangerous space, a, a dangerous person versus a safe person, because I was always looking for just the smallest cue in someone that they were uncomfortable. And people who live with trauma learn to, to do that very, very well. They learn to read such soft, subtle body cues that the, the average person doesn't even know that they're letting off or that they're giving. And someone with trauma doesn't know how to still their mind enough to say, okay, they, they look a little tired, but that doesn't mean I'm in danger. That just means they're tired and maybe I need to back off a little bit or maybe I need to take a break. Um, and so... When I started my own yoga practice, the more I became aware of how I responded to people emotionally, how I responded to myself emotionally, oh my goodness, the world opened up. It, it was just so much more beautiful than I was able to realize because I didn't have, my body didn't have that resource. It I, I had been resisting, resisting, resisting until I was in a space where it was safe to just take a nice long pause, take a nice breath and really think about where I was at in my life. You know, I married the love of my life. He's created the safest environment I could ever hope for. We have two brilliant, loving, well-adjusted children. And they, I wouldn't say that they have been the reason I am where I'm at, but they have taught me a lot about how to just be in the moment. Um, it's hard to be even a good enough parent without just being in the moment and being able to say, okay, I just, I need to take a break. I, I, I need to be okay with not being okay. I need to be 
uh, I need to be okay with my stress and I need to know that tomorrow is another day and I'm just focused on today. I'm not going to look at, well, yesterday I made that mistake and that's just ruined today and it's likely going to be a bad day tomorrow. I just need to accept where I'm at and say tomorrow is a new day and I'm going to press the restart button. Yeah, I think the acceptance piece of what you just said is so imperative for people to hear. And you had mentioned just being okay with the stress and letting it be there because I know in my life and through so many people I've talked to when they're experiencing stress, the first thing we want to do is run or we want to buffer is what the the word I use to explain Mm -hmm. that, whether it be alcohol or food or scrolling social media can be considered that escape. You know, you're trying to escape this stressful state. How can people kind of learning to get into this space of like meditation and yoga really learn to like find this place of acceptance if that's like completely foreign to them? Well, I think it's going to start with finding a yoga teacher who's been doing this for a very long time who is, who, who focuses, like if you find a teacher and they're all about, well, you got to get this posture right and you have to do it this many times or else it's really not yoga. Those, those are not reliable, not persistent. They're not consistent. They're not reliable. They're pretty dangerous because they're really not focused on your well-being. They're focused on how well you're going to help them look or how well you're going to help their business look. And I've ran into those yoga therapists at various yoga studios. And I finally landed at a studio who focused on really paying attention to what each student was saying what is your affirmation for today? What are you coming in with the intention to do during your practice? So this, this practice wasn't theirs. They, they allowed it to be our practice. And I think that's the number one um, piece of ad- advice I would give to people who are looking to incorporate yoga into their trauma healing is make sure you find someone who's willing to help you set your intention, whatever that intention may be. And then who's willing to allow you to be uncomfortable and, and give you permission to just be in that discomfort and explore that discomfort without pressure and invite you back every day on the mat, looking at and encouraging you to think about what worked for you rather than what you didn't do right or what you felt you didn't, you didn't do right. Or I can't think of a really good example because it's been a while since I've had really bad yoga. Right. Um, <laughs> but which is good. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Um, and I think more and more um, therapists are being trained to appreciate how stress impacts the body. And so I recently attended a 
trauma sensitive yoga training where there were 245 attendees, wow. virtual attendees, but these are all uh, yoga teacher training graduates who are really interested in understanding more about what their clients are coming into their sessions with. And um, shoot, I had a really important second point, but it escaped me. I can't remember. It'll come back, but. um, So what I'm hearing you say is like, for someone who's experiencing stress or trauma, which, you know, can be any form we talked about the little t's or big t's like we think when we hear the word trauma my mind i think normally would have gone to something very traumatic like you originally had said but we're talking about the full spectrum may we're recording this in may right now and may is mental health awareness month and i think recognizing that like when you're not okay like you can like to ask for help and in this way if you're looking to seek that relief through yoga to really take your time to find someone who's going to be supportive in your journey. That's really what I'm hearing as far as looking for the right teacher, looking for the right support system, a safe place to be able to show you compassion for where you're at and allow the uncomfortableness. I think that's something for myself I had to learn to be okay with, with myself and with others. And I think it's just a human Thing that you want people to feel better, but sometimes the most beautiful transformation can happen in those really uncomfortable times when you're just given permission to be. And yes. I think that's where yoga can become so powerful for both your mind and body, where you're, you know, staying in these challenging positions. And we had talked beforehand about how you have to bring your mind into the situation when some of those things might be challenging. I don't know if you want to elaborate on Oh, that. yes. Um, you know, when you've done yoga long enough, you start to realize that you begin, well, you begin to see which postures you're comfortable with, which postures feel good, which postures are easy, and you want to just stay in those. But a good, a good teacher pushes you to uh, look beyond that. And and they begin to focus on, okay, where am I seeing um, Abby? Really? What, what is she faithfully avoid every single time we meet and that's what we're going to focus on and what I have found is that in those moments I really have to activate my brain I have to activate my breath and what I have found is breathing can really make the most uncomfortable situations so much more bearable it helps release endorphins it helps to relax you cannot be anxious and relaxed at the same time Mm -hmm. and when you're breathing and you're doing it in a fashion of what i call four 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 way breathing Mm -hmm. your body cannot be uh, anxious it cannot be stressed because you're activating the part of your nervous system that is calm that is in rest And part, well, not a part, a big dynamic of yoga is training your body to be responsive to that rest and digest, to be responsive to that relaxation. And 
by breathing into the discomfort, you begin to become settled with that discomfort. And the more you practice with discomfort, the easier it becomes to tolerate it and the easier it becomes to acknowledge it. And after that, you can accept it, be in the moment with it and move on with a whole lot more confidence than had it, had you avoided that. I think the avoidance is where we, we start to bring in that anxiety about not being able to handle the emotion. And so we avoid, whereas if you just allow yourself to go through the process, like you learn that you're able to get through it and it's okay. And you just, you, you build so much confidence for yourself that way. And I, I know I've definitely experienced that myself. You can look back on those experiences and say, I've done something challenging like this before. Like, what can I channel from that experience that I can bring into this moment where maybe it's a struggle. And that's where, you know, having support systems outside of yourself too, whether it be a community with your yoga class or just a partner who's really supportive and just having, mm-hmm. having support. And I think, um, just allowing yourself to ask for that support when needed is always an important thing to acknowledge as well, because I think so many people think they just need to be able to do it on their own and we don't have to do it on our own. (laughs) And that, that, that some, something you said reminded me Um, earlier in the school year, my oldest daughter, Samantha, she's a perfectionist. She has to have the best grades. She has to do her best in sports. She has to join all these clubs. And these are things, these are pressures she puts on herself. Um, These are not pressures that are put on from myself or her dad or her stepdad or her extended family. Um, That's just, that's just the way Sam has always been. And one night um, I found her crying and I said, Samantha, what is going on? Um, tell, tell me what's wrong. And she said, Mom, I'm worried I didn't study enough for my honors chemistry class. And I said, Samantha, whatever you did is going to be okay. No, it's not going to be okay. It's going to be awful. And I said, Samantha, I'm going to ask that you do one thing for yourself because I can't be there when you take your test. Nobody that you love can be there when you take your test. The only person that's going to show up in that seat taking that test is yourself, your emotions, your mind. And so one of those two has to be in control. Your emotions are either going to control the situation or your mind is going to control the situation. And you have to choose that but my suggestion is that you pick something we call a mantra and a mantra is just an affirmation that we say when we're inhaling and an affirmation that we say when we're exhaling and what I typically have clients do is I have them wake up and the first thing that they do is they say this affirmation as many times as they think that they want to say it, then when they're in any stressful situation where that particular affirmation um, is needed, then they just 
pull that in and they say that to themselves, then they go to bed saying that affirmation. And so for Sam, her affirmation that we settled on was on the inhale, I am okay just the way I am. And on the exhale, everything will be okay. On the inhale, I am who I am. I appreciate who I am. I can't remember exactly what the affirmation is. She could tell you, but I can't. Um, and she came home that next day, big smile on her face. Mom, guess what? I did awesome on my chemistry test. And I think it's because of that mantra thing you had me do. <laughs> and it, it, was, it just was so refreshing to see that she was able to use something within herself to manage that intensely stressful situation. I wasn't there. I couldn't remind her, oh, Sam, did you do your mantra? And would you know that she wrote that mantra down, put it on her back. It was the first thing she saw and the last thing she sees before bed. And she wakes up every day and says that mantra to herself. So the second important thing I'd want everyone to do is find a mantra that works for you and make sure that it's a mon it's, it's an affirmation that's personalized, but positive. So I call it the double P. Um, these affirmations should never be something that feeds into the thing you're struggling with. Yeah, or yeah. feeds into stress. It needs to feed your confidence. Absolutely. No, like I, anything, when we feed confidence, it grows. Yeah, and it's it works the same way in reverse with our minds. Our minds are just very, very much like dominoes. If we choose to grasp onto this negative worry thought, it's just going to manifest more worry thoughts and more fear thoughts. And it's just like this spiral effect. Whereas one little speck of gratitude, one little mantra that you ground yourself with can be the spark to start bringing more positive opportunities and thoughts and feelings back into your life. And it really is just that one decision to just think that one thought or say it out loud. Sometimes I find myself doing that, like when I'm really, really stressed, I just start speaking it because one of the things in like the yoga meditation realm that I'm learning more about is like chakras and I mm -hmm. have a problem mm -hmm. with the throat chakra. So feeling very tight in my throat because I'm not speaking truth. And when I feel in a very stressed response, my throat tightens up. So what I do is I try to just speak whatever it is I'm feeling. And it's amazing how when you hear yourself speak and say those things, how relieved you feel. And I love that like Sam was able to use her mantras to really conquer her, her mind really. And just, you know, kind of give that power back to herself. And that was all something she did with it. And it wasn't like waiting for permission from someone else. It was like, she was able to now have that resource that wasn't available before to be able to give that to her, which is so awesome. I love it so much. I really like that you, you bring in the, chakras because that's yes that's something that we really don't tend to focus on um very much 
um, as yoga teachers, just because we have such a limited scope of time, but that is important to remember. And that's why the body is so good at keeping the score of what's happening. And one thing that we learned in uh, therapy training as, as a therapist is that if you don't speak your mind, then you're going to feel it in your throat chakra. If you have a heavy heart, where are you going to feel that? In your heart. Mm -hmm. um, if you feel burdened or um, like you have this weight on your back, where are you going to feel it? In your lower back and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And so really saying, gee, I'm really carrying some back pain. I'm, I usually don't have back pain. What's going on? Is there anything that's contributing to this pain that I may be avoiding? Whether it's stress from work or stress from parenting, stress in a relationship. But we all tend to carry our discomfort in the same space over and over and over. The pattern. Our bodies learn. We, we, we like our patterns. Yeah, it you, can know? you know, the brain likes conserving energy. So does the body. Like, so if we just keep putting it back in your shoulders, like anytime you're having a stress, stressful thing going on or whatever, and, some, and you don't even consciously recognize it. Right, right. Ask those types of questions. Like there's, there's a, session I, a session I do with my clients where we talk about woundology, which basically brings up the meditation that allows you to survey your body and, and feel where's the tightness. And with that is like questions are involved with much like you were saying, like, what are you not speaking the truth about? If you're feeling it in your throat, what are you holding on to that is maybe not yours? And just like these mm -hmm. really eye opening questions that we don't ask ourselves. And when we really take that step back and realize that, oh my gosh, like I am hanging on to this really stressful thing and I had no idea and you just let it out and it's just like the pain is gone. It's just like, it's incredible what, what our bodies can hang on to. And you, you mentioned um, um, the body keeps score. There's also a book called um, uh, when the body says no. And mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, Okay. So my mm -hmm. dad introduced me to that, um, that doctor and he, I'd watch a lot of his talks on YouTube and he talks a lot about stress and how he talks a lot of too about people who, are caretakers and take care of everyone around them and how impactful that is on their bodies when they're not taking care of themselves. Yeah. And it's just incredible. Like, and I think it kind of even goes into the conversation. This would be like a whole nother conversation, but about how our medical system can really needs to incorporate, not just like what's going on in the body, but like, how is the mind contributing? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And, um, this is just an addendum, an FYI. The, uh, a lot of the um, psychology, PsyD, PhD programs have known that for the last 15 years. And what they're now able to do is bring in um, 
psychologists into medical practices, yoga therapists into medical practices. I have a friend who is a doctor and she not only brings nutritionists into her practice, physical therapists, speech therapists, the, the typical people that you would associate with a medical facility, but she also has mental health therapists. She has yoga therapists. She has Reiki therapists. She has acupuncturists and she has massage therapists based all on not, not just conversation, but blood work, history, medical, um, previous medical problems, current medical problems, so on and so forth. And I was talking to her and I was just absolutely amazed by what I was hearing because I had for the first time seen in person what I had learned about in theory 10, 15 years ago um, while I was finishing up my PhD program um, as a counseling psychology student. And I agree that the more that we can incorporate mental health into regular MD appointments, the better off we'll be. But that's just such a taboo topic. Nobody knows how to bring it up because we have been raised to be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And to think of it like a disease. And I always think depression isn't a disease. Stress is not a disease. It's, it's a condition of being a human being. Everybody feels yes. overwhelmed and everybody feels stressed. It's just a matter of if we internalize that or if we externalize that, if we put it on other people or if we put it on ourselves. And that's something called external versus internal locus of control. Yes. And what they found is that people, and this is going to, this, this surprised me. I'll ask you, which do you, who do you think holds more depression and stress? People who take that on themselves and say that this is my responsibility. This is my problem. This is my fault. Or people who blame other, others for what's going on. My initial guess is those who stack it on in the inside and take it on as their own. That, that is what I thought. But what I, what I learned in my training is that people who have the ability to, to bounce it off themselves and onto other people, guess where all that, guess where all that burden is being thrown to somebody else. So it's like, they're like Teflon. It bounces off of me and lands on somebody else. And so research found that people who had the ability to say, hey, look, yeah, um, something just happened last week where my neighbor decided that um, he would come out and scream at myself and my husband because he didn't like that our dog was in our yard going to the bathroom, but barking at him. And so what he decided to do is uh, threaten all kinds of things 
And what I did is I, I was like, oh my gosh, what, what could I have done different? What, what, what part of my body language made this man feel threatened? Oh, what kind of dog owner am I? Oh, I'm going to get animal control called on me. And it just spiraled. And guess what I began to feel? I began to feel resentment. I began to feel anger. I began to feel anxiety. And what, what I didn't do is begin to problem solve. Okay. What are the facts versus what are things that were made up by this man? Whereas my husband who was also there, did none of those things. He came in and he said, Abby, I want the vaccination, the vaccination record. I want this record and that record. And I'm going to go over there and I'm going to present these facts to him. And he's going to have to deal with the discomfort. This is not our fault. And Guess who's still talking about it a month later? I am because (laughs) I put that on myself. Whereas my husband, he's already dealt with it. He's already put it where it needs to belong. He's packed it away. Mm -hmm. And the more I'm able to be aware of how I pack things in my suitcase, so to speak, what I put in, what I leave out, um, can really either make me feel heavy and burdened and, and have to pay, um, an overweight charge, right. you know, you're, <laughs> you're going to pay for all this weight you're carrying around. I or, love that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can decide, Hey, I really don't need this in my life. I'm, I'm going to chuck it out and focus on, focus my energy on what I can do. Yes. And, the more I, I practice that, um, even in yoga, I'll tell my trainer, you know what? I am not doing that pose today. I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling that. And I want, I want you to respect that versus, oh my gosh, if I don't do 30 sun salutations and I don't sit completely still during, you know, Shavasan or, at the very end, uh, some people call it dead man's pose. I'm terrible. I'm a horrible student. I'm not doing yoga right. Um, I can I can either benefit from that or I can be burdened and, and continually be frustrated. And people don't learn when they're frustrated. No, they just become more frustrated. It's like you can't see creative solutions when you're in this state of frustration and and overwhelm and stress and anger and all these negative feelings, right? Like it doesn't provide a place of innovation and opportunity. Right. Right. And I was so excited when we reconnected and of course I've been, I've been following you in, in your podcast, but when I read that you were doing yoga, I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> I really can talk to her about this and yes and, and let me found that as a way to reconnect 
let me tell you too, um, cause this is not, not something I've really shared with my audience either. Kind of like my progression back into yoga. Um, I grew up doing gymnastics. I was used to being pretty flexible. We've had this conversation already on the podcast about how yoga is not really necessarily, it's more than that. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I came from the belief of this is to be flexible. And in my personal training background where I was very, I was a boot camp instructor for two years here in Texas. Uh, as a personal trainer, you are very set up with these expectations of it has to be done a certain way, this many reps. It's very um, structured and, you know, just put into this box. And for me, a couple years back, even a year ago, doing yoga seemed like a waste of time because I was like, this isn't, this isn't a workout. This doesn't count. If I have to do this, I have to do something else. And that was the kind of conversation I would have with myself until I got injured and I wasn't allowed. I couldn't move in the way that I wanted to. And I really had to slow down and I resisted like yoga for a really long time. And it wasn't really until I just released the expectation of how it should look that I was able to finally understand like the benefit that it could offer me. And when you, no matter what reason you start yoga, like it's going to carry you into this place where it is this more like, it's all about like compassion for yourself, for others, for the practice, for releasing expectations, for being present and in the moment, for breathing. And it's, it's so much of what you do in those postures you bring into your, your everyday life. And so now my, my view on it is like, I'm always doing different stretches. If, if it's not like a full routine, it's like maybe 10 minutes of stretching, doing the, the poses I enjoy, but that's really helped me to mentally like be in a good place. And it's helped me slow down and get out of that stress response that we keep talking about that we're all kind of in these days. <laughs> and, yeah. I've seen it be much of a benefit for myself and I definitely want to see, you know, share that more with people because it's, it's great. And I think the, um, you, when you mention flexibility, there is flexibility in yoga, but it's not in the way that people think people think that, that they need to be flexible physically, but what you really need to be is flexible mentally. Yes. That is such a great point. Because our minds are really what what stop us. If we have this mindset that I need to be flexible to do yoga, or I need to do yes, to do yoga, it's going to completely prevent you from even doing it. And pre- yes, it can be extremely in- intimidating to people. And um, I can't tell you. Well, if I had five dollars for every person that told me I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. Mm-hmm. I'd be able to pay for a vacation by now. <laughs> um, and I, let me tell you, I get excited when they tell me that. And I get excited because I get to educate them. And I get to say, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where did you hear that? Because mm-hmm. that's not true. Um, and the, the, the greatest joy that I find, um, one of the greatest joys I find as a yoga teacher is seeing someone evolve as a student and um, my, my favorite student, I'm going to go back to her, bless her heart, is, is my 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. She started out, and I tell you what, I, I, I'm thinking of... It was this Emily who's the... Samantha. The one? Oh, Samantha. The, yes. Okay. 
uh, she was doing this pose and she was like, oh my gosh, mom, it feels like I'm giving birth. <laughs> and I mean, I, I just burst out laughing. And I said, Samantha, if I recorded our session and made a soundtrack, the police would be called because they would think something were wrong. And then they'd show up and I'd have to say, are you here for yoga too? Come on and join the party. And it's been fun watching her because she began yoga with this belief that if she didn't do it perfectly, if she didn't get the posture just right, if she couldn't bend into that forward fold and touch her toes, then it really wasn't a forward fold. And I had to say, Samantha, is your head moving towards the floor? Yes. Well, then you are in a forward fold. It doesn't matter where your hands are. It just matters that you're showing up on your mat and you're making movement. And really, that's what life's about. Showing up every day, getting up out of bed, putting one foot in front of the other and making any kind of effort. It doesn't even have to be good effort. It can be mediocre effort. Just mm -hmm. as long as you're moving, then you're going forward in life. It's hard to go backwards if you're moving forwards. Right. Absolutely. I think so many of the lessons that you learn throughout practicing yoga and really just moving your body in any way really helps you to bring that into every experience that you do. Uh, one thing I learned in my health coaching practice is how we do one thing is how we do everything. And really being able to shift into this place where you're able to surrender to everything going on in the world and just control what you can control is like the biggest blessing you can give yourself. So what would you say um, has been the greatest lesson or the greatest aha moment that you have had transitioning into yoga? Wow. Great question. I think the biggest thing is just releasing what it needs to look like. I have a lot of, I think I still used to hold a lot of expectations about how I maybe used to be able to do certain moves. And now because of my just limited range of motion, I'm not able to, and it's what prevented me from enjoying the experience. So now it's just more about like celebrating all the different ways my body gets to move today. And it's not, it's different every single day when you really mm -hmm. sit silently with your body and you move it around and you breathe, you realize so much that your body is doing for you daily. Like something I always say is, you know, we don't take the time to recognize that right now as we sit here, our, our lungs are helping us breathe and our heart is beating. And when you take that time to be with yourself in that way, I think it just, it just really, really shows a lot of, um, a lot of compassion that you can have for yourself. So that's kind of the place that I've shifted. That's really helped me in a lot of other areas too. And I will ask you the same question then. What is your biggest takeaway, biggest breakthrough so far? Because it's a continuing practice. Well, unlike you, I did not go into yoga having this um, belief that it, 
it wasn't, it was less than, mm -hmm. um, let's say when, when I was in the horse arena doing this vigorous kind of exercise on the horse or um, when I was in the gym doing weightlifting or running, I really didn't compare it in terms of what benefit I was getting from it physically, but what the transformation and the aha moment for me was how I'm able to meditate and how I'm able to quiet my mind in a way that resets, restarts my body and allows it to, to even if it's for 10 minutes a day, to be in, in a homeostasis where everything is, is equal. Things are functioning together rather than um, something is functioning so much more powerfully than another um, part, of, part of my body. And seeing how a body really is supposed to work, how your mind is really supposed to help your body, and how your body informs your mind. Because when I was in graduate school, I never really understood that concept. I didn't, when, when they told us that, I was like, what are you talking about? And as a survivor of different kinds of traumas, both the big traumas and the little traumas, I always thought that um, my, you know, my mind doesn't control my body. My body just does what it does. And my mind, my mind's in charge of what it's in charge of. And it wasn't until I began to practice daily meditation that I realized, oh, that's what they meant. It's, they do work together. It's like a machine. They need each other in order to function properly. And when one part's not working, the whole thing is suffering. Mm -hmm. and, and then just to be humble about that suffering and be willing to look at it and go through it, survive it, and then be willing to talk about it. Yeah. So many good things. I love it. And thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge and your experience. I know that this is going to bring some really valuable information and insight into yoga and moving our bodies and, and trauma and all of those great things. So thank you. So well, thank much. you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And we will link all of the ways you can connect with Abby in the link in the description. So definitely go check her out. She is in the process of writing a really awesome book. Details to come. <laughs> <laughs> So definitely keep up with her. It's going to be, it sounds like it's going to be a really, really awesome one. So thank you again. Thank you. And uh, you folks stay safe. Yes. Take care. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Mind and Body Strong podcast. You are what makes this movement and message possible. If you loved this episode, share it with a friend, a coworker, a family member, or take a screenshot and share it on your favorite social media platform and tag Mind and Body Strong. 
To learn more about coaching and courses to help you take your journey to the next level, visit mindandbodystrong.com.